Welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out. Starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaff. FDR is president. Minimum wage is 30 cents an hour. The digital calculator celebrated its first year. A gallon of gas is a hefty 15 cents. And the Allied forces crossed the English Channel to invade Normandy. The year? 1944. The place? Mattoon, Illinois. And this small town is experiencing great panic and fear over a mysterious illness that seems to be randomly selecting as its next victim. What kind of symptoms does this illness create? What do the authorities do about it? And how did it all conclude? Lots of questions, but fewer answers. Why? Because it's today's missing chapter mystery. Let's hope you have your coffees ready because we're getting started right now. Welcome back to the Missing Chapter Podcast. I am Phil Horner. Here with Phil Schaff. Hello. Phil, we are enjoying Starbucks this morning. We are. Starbucks breakfast blend. It's fantastic. It is. I mean, not that they need any additional promotional stuff from us, but it's a really good coffee. It is. It was kind of like one of those non-flavored coffees. You just keep going back to it. It's really good. And it's a really big bag we have over there. So yeah, we've been enjoying (laughs) it for quite, quite a while now. We'll do some damage to that bag. You know, Phil, we talk about turning points in our class, and I I couldn't help but think about that when I was listening to your intro. There aren't many more crucial turning points in the 20th century than 1944, and the description you gave of the the D-Day invasion in Normandy and what that meant for the Allied forces in World War II, and essentially, you know, the the path it sent the world on, you know, subsequently after that. So I'm interested to see what you're going to tell us about 1944 that maybe we we don't know. Yeah, and I think this is part of the missing chapter mystery is that uh you know in in the realm of 1944 in the context of that there is some fear and panic. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of uh wonder. You know, what's the end result of this thing and and what's it going to look like? So I think this that, that might add to some of the the confusion and the angst. Um and as a side note, I inherited uh the cold that you had had that my wife had. so yeah. it's kind of run through everybody. So I apologize if I'm coughing and hacking, but hey, listen, just like a good poster worker, rain, sleet, or snow, man, we're, this right. podcast keeps going on. So let's let's talk about 1944, the town of Mattoon, Illinois, um, the place where I, I mentioned in the intro. They went into full-fledged panic mode, all right? Now, I know, just a little side note here, it is October uh, at the time of this recording, and I know we're going to be airing this early December. I don't know if this is just the mood I'm in right now because I'm sick and kind of gloomy and mysterious mm-hmm. and we're coming up on Halloween here. Um, but when this does air, hopefully we have some, some you know, our voices are back and, and we're healthy. But the mysteriousness of this, I think, is I think it's going to create a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. So I hope the listeners tap into, you know, some of the things we have that our, our Gmail, um, our, our social media and some of the things we have on Spotify where you can you can type in what do you think actually happened to this mystery. So let's get into it. So in September, in Mattoon, Illinois, in 1944, a woman and her three-year-old daughter gets severely sick. And obviously, that's not out of the ordinary. As young kids, we have young kids, they are sick all the time. But it's very 
different because they got severely sick after smelling a sweet odor in their home. Hmm. And it was, it was enough where they obviously noticed it and then attributed the immediate, almost immediate after smelling that sweet odor, they immediately got sick and their symptoms were very similar. So they, they kind of concluded that it, it, it must've done something. It must've had something to do with the smell. Now, when I say sick, it's not just oh, feeling lightheaded, that kind right. of thing. The mother becomes paralyzed. Uh, she soon regains her mobility. Her husband later spotted a mysterious prowler outside the house. So once again, is it is it the 1944 craze of you know dealing with the, a world war? You know, in wartime fashion, are we are we constantly on edge, or is this actually something that's there's a prowler you know uh, right. attacking? So at this point, it's only them that has had uh, this experience, but their story appears on the Daily Journal Gazette, which of course is a local newspaper. Uh, that implied that there were more, quote, attacks coming. Um, and I, I don't know if that's maybe a little bit irresponsible, you know, of, of the newspaper to say, hey, watch out, you know, watch your six. It, things are coming down the pike. Yeah, you know, and I don't think it is. I think they're just trying to inform. And I think anytime you have something happening like this, that's um, it's it's out of the ordinary. It's creating circumstances where, like you said, paralysis. Right. Um, I think people are 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 scared, and they're trying to inform people that listen, this is out there, and we don't know what the root cause of it is. So just be aware. So what the interesting part is, they were the only house to have these symptoms. Mm -hmm. The news article comes out. Following the news article, sure enough, shortly after that report, three people come forward with similar accounts. So the question is, did did the newspaper create a little a little hysteria at first by saying, hey, this could be coming, and then people are hyper aware? Or, like you said, hey, we're just making you aware, and now people feel comfortable coming forward and saying, mm -hmm. hey, listen, I, I heard the same thing. I felt the same thing. That's a good point, Phil. So according to one couple, they'd woken up on August 31st. This is a few days prior after detecting a very similar smell. The husband started throwing up while the wife couldn't move her legs. A few hours later in a separate house, a mother couldn't help her sick child because she quite literally couldn't get out of bed. Mm -hmm. she, she physically couldn't you know, move her legs out. So for weeks, several people showed the same symptoms. And now people are saying all the same symptoms of, of exposure um, to what a lot of experts are saying. This sounds like what, what would happen in poison gas. If you're exposed to poison gas, these are almost identical symptoms, nausea, vomiting, weakness, uh, leading to near paralysis, lightheadedness, of course, and even spitting up blood. So you can imagine this is going to be panic frenzy. Yeah. And again, I mean, put it in the context of what's going on in the world during this time. Correct. So, I mean, people, I think, are heightened with regards to, you know, the war as it is. Right. And of course, it, you know, if you're thinking, oh, while the war is happening. Right. Is, is there, you know... Uh, uh, an enemy force coming over to the United States and, right. and doing this, you know, just as a trial run, you know, you never know. So all of the victims reported, quote, a sweet, cheap perfume odor permeating throughout their homes prior to the onset of this sickness and paralysis. So whether it was from the original story of some lurking uh, person in the shadows or actual fact, the newspaper does declare that these attacks were the work of a, quote, mad gasser. And for the next two weeks, multiple people claimed they were victim of this phantom gasser. So people were leaving their windows open. They were fearful, right? Um, 
that their home may be the next to get hit. And this mm-hmm. was the word they kept using um, in a lot of the, the newspapers and the, the resources that I found was, hey, who's going to get hit next? And it was this hit, hit, hit. So one woman actually found a cloth, a wet cloth outside her home. And when she picked it up, she passed out. The next day, eight different people said their homes had been gassed. They had been hit. Things got so crazy, the FBI gets involved. Once the FBI gets involved, um, a lot of people are reporting that their house is is the next to be hit. Uh, even the police chief said they have gotten so many accounts that he, quote, and this could be a, another turning point that you mentioned, to arrest anyone who reported a gassing without submitting um, a medical exam hmm. because there was such a hysteria. So I think there's two schools of thought here, which we started to allude to at the very beginning. Was this effective in eliminating the false claims right you know him saying hey we we need a medical exam so we got to make sure that this is all true that we're not this isn't just something that's happening in our heads so was that effective in eliminating the false claims or did this deter people from admitting they've been gassed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there's there's kind of a question there so later in september 20 victims later the attacks completely stop so i don't know I don't know, Phil, if that lends itself to this is as mysterious as it started, it, you know, inexplicably just ends, or does it lead to conspiracy theorists that say maybe this just was plain out hysteria and, and you had one or two isolated cases that may not even been connected that led to that hysteria. Absolutely. So this is actually, and we're going to talk about this after the break, but this is actually one of those examples that a lot of people um, are are talking about. This is, you know, in psych classes, if you want Mm -hmm. to see mass hysteria, this is one of those examples that they actually use. Um, But the, you know what, we, we show our students uh, in class, the monsters are doing Maple street, right? Oh, immediately I start picturing some of the hysteria. So if, if you're, if you're a fan of the twilight zone series, this is one of those examples where one person starts the fear and then it spreads like wildfire. And here we are at the end. It doesn't take long. It does not take long. So I think the question is, like you said, is this the prime example of mass hysteria or is there an actual mad gasser that is victimizing an innocent Illinois neighborhood? And we're going to get to that answer, hopefully after the break. All right. Welcome back after break. Phil, before the break, you laid out quite the mystery for us. One I had never heard of before, by the way. And I guess the, the the question that I have, the question that our listeners most likely have is, I know it's a mystery, but is there any evidence that leads you to believe one side over the other, that this gasser actually existed um, or it just was all conjured up in people's imaginations? It's like I asked you to ask that question, but we didn't, we didn't actually talk about this in, in the middle of the break, but no. you, all we did was refill on coffee. That's all we did. <laughs> you prefaced that perfectly because yeah. when I first saw this story, you know, you, you dive a little bit deeper. Um, the first couple of resources I found, it was the prime example of mass hysteria. And then there was one person who in fact is actually a teacher mm-hmm. that made me think otherwise. Okay. So let, let's, let's dive in here uh, as we close. So, Number one, the police never captured, quote, the mad gasser. Mm -hmm. All right. So is the question, I think the question still exists. Does the person exist and they just never found him? Or 
doesn't not exist at all. And this right. was the example of mass yeah. hysteria. Doctors never found anything wrong with the victims. This is where I start scratching my head. Obviously, police, uh, the police never found uh, the, the person. They never found traces of, of chemicals. And the phantom didn't leave footprints. So even in those, those instances where you see someone lurking in the shadows, I mean, there's got to be some sort of evidence. Right. Now, granted, this is 1944. I think mm-hmm. maybe we could have found a little bit more evidence with the technology in 2023. But at the same time, the question still remains, what sparked the panic? Right. So some blame emissions from nearby industrial plants. The mad gasser was probably the result of mass hysteria from the, that industrial plant, uh, you know, leaking out some things. And maybe it was the irresponsible reporting from that local paper. But this is where things changed for me personally. And I don't know if it'll change for you or the listeners, but for one high school chemistry and physics teacher in Jacksonville, Florida, wasn't the case at all. Okay. According to Scott Maruna, uh, teacher and author of the book, The Mad Gasser of Mattoon, Dispelling the Hysteria. And by the way, this case has long been cited. I think I may have mentioned it uh, before the break in college psych classes as a perfect example of mass hysteria. But according to the Illinois Times, occurring during World War II, when so many men were off fighting and so many women were left alone, the gassings have been explained away as the product of paranoia and panic and delirium. But Scott Maruna, the teacher, he, he completely disagrees. He credits many who came forward to uh, the report of smelling, you know, a smell coming through the windows at night, in some cases seeing a shadowy figure. So he's got a hundred page book that lays all this out. He prevents the, or excuse me, he presents the, the facts surrounding the cases, the police investigations, and he finds similar events in other cities across the United States. He then analyzes this. Hey, is this really an example of hysteria? So when police led people to believe the reports were mistakenly submitted, Suddenly, the calls to the, st- the stations dropped. And possibly, Maruna suggests, from sheer, quote, embarrassment, going back to the police chief threatening the arrest, you know. So this alone, Maruna says, deterred people from admitting they had been gassed. And then Maruna then examines 11 traits common to mass hysteria. For example, most mass hysteria cases involve only women, as did the Mattoon gassings. But Maruna logically explains that during the height of World War II, Mattoon would have had naturally more women in residence. Therefore, the victims would have obviously include more females. So that doesn't prove to be a mass hysteria event at all. That's just the case. That makes sense. Right? Um, In the end, Maruna presents his solution. He dismisses the 60-year-old claim of mass hysteria and points to a real person as the culprit. This is where it gets really interesting. Living in Mattoon was uh, was a town genius who could be found with, quote, his nose buried in the books at his family's grocery store. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this guy's name right, but Farley Llewellyn is possibly the perp. He drank too much. He kept a secret lab, experimented with various chemicals. Once an explosion from his lab rocked the neighborhood. And Maruna says, quote, Farley, the obvious chemical genius behind the gases synthesis was the real gasser in a fit brought on by mental instability and years of pent-up rage against the town that would not and could not accept him. Farley tinkered and toyed with various organic solvents in an attempt to create a suitable weapon. End wow. quote. Wow, Phil. Yeah, yeah. So Maruna even goes so far as to identify Farley's chemical as, good Lord, here we go, tetrachlorothene, uh, I think. 
a chemical with all the properties to induce the symptoms reported in the gassings. So I think as I was reading, I'll say, okay, maybe that's the case. I don't know this guy. I don't know this guy, Farley, uh, however you pronounce his last name, but let's say maybe he is it, uh, the, the, the mad guy. Yeah. And when you started, you know, going down the road of, you know, this, this gentleman who lived in this town, which is awfully ironic, um, I'm thinking, well, maybe it wasn't even, maybe it was coincidental. Maybe he did it unintentionally, but it sounds like he was actually plotting against the town and that this was intentional. I mean, is that so far-fetched that, 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 that could be the right. reason for all this? Right. And that's, that's where I started to, I was like, oh man, I want to, I want to research this guy. So as I'm researching this guy and researching the, the teacher who lays out a really good story for this, an example and solution. I was trying to search for a motive and it, it comes uh, comes out in part of his book and some other sources that he was very bitter, that Farley was very bitter because he had been ostracized for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what he says is he was ostracized by the community as a suspected homosexual. So in 1944. Right. Yeah, that's so he was very he already had some mental instability. Um, and then he he said that one of the reasons why he was very ostracized was because of that social reason. So. He seemed to be a pretty compelling suspect uh, because he had the means and he had the motive. Mm-hmm. But, oh, and I, I tell you, I, I want to add this too. I forgot to add this. A lot of the alleged attacks occurred near where he lived. Okay. So that's okay. that's a little caveat. But even after he was placed under constant surveillance, the reports of the attacks had still continued. So what's the answer? I don't know. And, uh, and, you know, with any mystery, we we kind of, from the perspective of the person doing the research, Phil, so I'm going to put this on you. Are you leaning one way over the other? I mean, are you more mass hysteria versus um, this individual who was causing this? Very similar to a, a chemical reaction. I, th- I honestly feel like it, it was a combination of maybe both. I don't want to put the mad gasser title on this guy, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there's a lot of coincidences. But the one part, you know, it, it's revolving around his uh, his means and motive, as we said, his ability to um, conjure up some pretty crazy chemical experiments. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the occurrences happened around and near his house. Yeah. But the fact that they couldn't find any evidence pinning him on that and they couldn't and the, the reports kept coming after they started surveilling his, his house. So I'm at the point where I think it's like a weird concoction of, of both of mass both. hysteria and something else happening, whether it was uh, an environmental event mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. took place with some of the other industries around the area. I honestly don't know, and I wish I had the answer for everybody, but I think we're chalking it up to a missing chapter mystery. Thank you for joining us, and until next time, I'm Phil Horander, and I'm Phil Schaff. Another chapter has been added to the history textbooks.